0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're continuing our conversations with the most influential women in barbecue with Sunny Moody, 2021 World Steak Champion and Pitmaster of Mood Swing Barbecue.
1: This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long's it been since your last confession?
0: Sunny, it's great to see you. How are you today?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. I'm actually cold. It's uh, the the temperatures dropped to about less than twenty degrees Celsius here on the Gold Coast. I've had to go get my hoodie and put my hoodie on.
2: Oh my goodness! You can keep the cold weather. I'm ready for summer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was <laughs> I, I was being a bit uh, a bit facetious there because uh, the Gold Coast is the Florida of Australia. So any any time <laughs> it gets below about uh, what, what's 20 degrees Celsius, around 70 Fahrenheit, I suppose. Anytime it drops under 70, yep. we start complaining. So, hey,
2: I get the same way here, so that's okay.
0: <laughs> I'd imagine so, yeah, yeah. So tell me, uh, what was the last thing that you barbecued?
2: Um, actually, I am prepping right now butts, pork butts, to go on the smoker for a catering event tomorrow.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Tell us about that, that catering event. What are you doing there?
2: So, it's actually a fundraiser. Um, I take a group of girls ages 12 to 18 out into the woods for a week in the summer, and I teach them how to cook over live fire and camping and just take them away from the world with no cell phones or technology or anything. And so, tomorrow we're doing a barbecue feast fundraiser because it does cost to take the girls out there. So, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, you got to hire that uh, that entire team of security so that uh, to keep them under control once those cell phones and iPads right. and things get taken away from them. <laughs> I've only got one. Uh, I've I've got one ten year old here, and if I try and take his iPad away, whew, it is on.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's very brave. How did you get into doing that?
2: So it's actually with a church group and. They just take 12 to 18-year-old girls, so we take them out into the woods and, you know, kind of separate them from the world and help them draw closer to God and teach them life skills at the same time.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. And is that one of those, um, is it connected to the behavioral? uh,
2: No. No, anybody can come. It's just girls ages 12 to 18.
0: Okay. Interesting. Cool. I'm I'm glad to hear then that we're not going to see a documentary on it um and uh, and, and what really goes on sorry you you you've probably got no idea what I'm talking about I've just been watching a series on Netflix about these um these uh behavioral camps that these kids go on out in the woods yeah. and and uh, yeah, the, so the truth of what really goes on. so I go
2: out and teach those Yeah All oh, right okay yeah. Wow
0: All right so let's let's uh, let's uh, link back to barbecue then what's your favorite thing to barbecue for yourself like what what do you love to eat
2: Ooh well, this sounds funny. My favorite thing to barbecue would be ribs, and I do love to eat ribs, but I truly do love chicken and I know everybody says my husband even says that should be a vegetable, but I really like chicken
0: <laughs> That should be a t-shirt <laughs> Chicken should be a vegetable.
2: I, I love like chicken just because you can flavor it in so many different ways and it'll take on that flavor. So, you know, with beef, you want the beefy meaty richness to stand out and pork, I want it a little bit sweeter. So with chicken, I can basically make it whatever I want to make it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is very adaptable. Definitely. And then uh, I've, I've seen that you've got a a new hasty bake barbecue out there. Is that your favorite barbecue at the moment to use?
2: I would have to honestly say that Goldilocks, my offset smoker, is by far my favorite. She just doesn't get out as much as I'd like her to.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. What uh, what what brand of, uh, of offset
2: is it? So she's a custom built, but she looks like a Jambo or an Outlaw. But we had her custom built by Kansas City Smoker Co. And she's just an offset smoker.
0: Okay. And is that what you compete on as well?
2: Yeah, that's what I compete on at any kind of KCBS contest or GBA. Um, if I'm doing steak, I will actually compete on a tribal fire grill.
0: Oh, I haven't heard of that one.
2: That's a live fire charcoal grill that's actually super versatile. It's got a flat top, um, it can be wood or charcoal burning, and it's got all different kinds of attachments. So it's got a hood that goes on it, it's got different grilling racks. It's got grill grates. It's got a wok. So it's just super, super versatile.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a fantastic bit of gear. I'm going to have to look them up when we're done here and check them out a bit. Yeah. So you're, um, so you're originally from, uh, from Tennessee, from what I was reading online, that's not sort of a, a, a place that's super well known for barbecue. So how did you get into barbecue?
2: so this sounds funny i live in tennessee now but i've only been here three years i actually came from out west i grew up in southern utah and then we lived in las vegas for five years and arizona for 10 years which none of those places are known for barbecue (laughs) so um my husband actually at when we moved to arizona he got into barbecue and becoming a certified judge And he traveled around doing judging with some of his friends' KCBS contests. So he came home one night because he was a welder by trade through high school and college. And he said he was going to build a little smoker for our backyard, a reverse flow. And I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking just a patio smoker. But when we went to pick it up a year later, it was actually a 500-pound propane tank gallon propane tank that he had converted into a huge massive smoker so we started competitions and catering
0: <laughs> yeah right with a when your first smoker is that large you kind of have to don't you
2: yeah well our first smoker was a little patio traeger model and that's what i learned on um my first experience was actually lighting the whole thing on fire <laughs>
0: wow how did you do that that's
2: not normal yeah that's not normal for you know a pellet smoker but um i'm pretty sure i can i can manage anything but (laughs) my husband um i had never been introduced to any kind of grill i grew up cooking over like a campfire or in a dutch oven and so when he got this trigger Um, he did most of the cooking, but he was going to be late one night and he had meat marinating. And he said, can you just go throw it on the smoker? And I said, um, I don't even know how to use it. So he goes, just go push a button, set the temperature, come back in five minutes and you can put the meat on and let it go. And so I, I was like, I can handle that. I can, I can push a button and let it go. So I pushed the button and came back in five minutes and the entire thing was in flames. So... I flipped the camera around after calling him. He goes, well, there should be a little fire in the bottom. And I go, no, no, the entire thing's in flames. So I was pulling it, unplugging it, trying to get it away from the house without getting burnt. But unbeknownst to me, he had actually not cleaned the smoker and our auger got stuck. So it was jammed and it just caused like a large combustion between the two. So it was not my fault.
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not but if it if it does make you feel any better, I've done the same thing twice um but oh no. that was but that was using um a a hooded gas barbecue, so there was the 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 added okay. fun of having the the little gas bottle bomb attached to it as well so <laughs> yeah
2: that, <laughs> yeah luckily I didn't have that
0: No no well i got I got very lucky there very lucky managed to uh to not blow the house up, but nearly blew the house up twice. So I, I, I know that feeling very well, very well. And so for, from from there then, how, how did you move into competition barbecue?
2: Um, my husband, well, we went and picked up the smoker and he had said, we're going to start doing competitions and catering. And I was looking around like, who is we that you're talking
0: about? <laughs> he goes,
2: well, I actually signed you and I up for a class from Sterling Smith from Luton Booty.
0: Oh, good choice.
2: Oh, yes, good choice. But I was like, um, me? And he goes, yeah, I need a pit boss assistant and you can help me. And I'm like, oh, dear. So I went, I think I took like eight pages of notes in my notebook and poor Smitty. I mean, I was like, can you say that again? Um, can you repeat that again? And, and I asked a million questions, but we hit our first KCBS competition about a month and a half later. And we ended up just falling in love with it. We ended up getting a call in brisket. It was either, it was like fifth or seventh out of like 80 something teams. So it was crazy, but we got hooked and meeting all the people there was just incredible. They were so helpful and so friendly and wanted to get to know us. And it was great. It was unlike any other kind of community that we had been in before. The barbecue family is like truly special.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful story and uh, incredible that you're able to get a brisket cooked that early in your competition career as well. That's that's still yeah. got to be a really proud moment for you. Yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of proud moments, you are, of course, the 2021 World Steak Champion, so congratulations on that.
2: Thank you. Yeah, that was pretty exciting too.
0: Yeah, tell us about the road to get there. What was it like?
2: So... While we were doing KCBS competitions, um, of course, I would ask a bunch of questions to our friends and teammates, teams that we're competing against, and some of the guys were like, Sonny, you know enough, you need to start competing on your own, and I was like, oh, I don't know about that, and then Smitty actually brought the SCA to Arizona, and I was like, well, I could start with steak, and I could compete in steak against Jeff, so he would be preparing his steak, practicing at home. And I started practicing on a different counter and he goes, what are you doing? And I go, um, I'm practicing. Cause I'm going to cook against you. And he was like, oh really? And I was like, yep. And he, and he was like, so what are you doing? And I go, I can't tell you because the guys are telling me what to do on my phone. <laughs> okay. So they had walked me through like giving me tips and tricks and I played with things at home and I competed against Jeff and it kind of became a fun little betting thing that we did between us. Um, We would make just little side bets of who would place higher. It wasn't who would win it all, but who would place higher. And it was like, if he won, I would have to take golf lessons. And if I won, um, he would have to take tango lessons or just fun little things like that. So he did win the first time against us and that's okay. But the second time um i went out and just had a blast and cooked a steak and i ended up walking first place against everybody not just jeff and there were 78 teams there and so i actually won a golden ticket to um world sca but as well world food championships so i got to attend i mean i had since then i had won um multiple times and you know I started placing and I just fell in love with it and KCBS because this was right after you know 2020 and so um so I we fell in love with SEA and KCBS hadn't opened back up in our area yet because we had just moved to Tennessee so we hit the SEA trail and I just ran with steak and fell in love with it And we would still do the KCBS practices at home until they would open up, but we were winning in the SCA. So going into the world food championship, um, I was a little nervous. It was really scary because I'd never been to the world food championship. Um, I didn't quite know what to expect. I knew that there were different rounds and you were eliminated and you had to cook more than just meat in a box. And so... Um going into that, we ended up having to take our daughters with us because they are their babysitter backed out last minute. I mean, we had all these kinds of crazy things just happening to us. And so I almost backed out a couple days before and said, I can't handle this. Like, we're not gonna go. I don't even know what I'm getting into. And he said, Nope. We're loading up the girls and we're taking them with us. We're pulling them from school and we're we're gonna make this happen. And I was like, Oh, okay, let's go. (laughs) So uh, opening rounds there, we ended up having to cook a New York strip steak, which normally we cook ribeyes in the SCA. And that is what I had won my golden ticket with was a ribeye and taken first. Um, But we had to cook New York strip steaks for the opening round. And there were 40 of us, 40 cooks from around the world. And I actually ended up taking first that day. And after that, your points get wiped out and going into the finals, the top 10 people move into the final round. And so we're all on an equal playing field, but we had to cook a filet mignon. Plus we had to use a black garlic umami sauce and we had to make two sides to go with it, a presentation platter and 10 samples for 10 judges. So in an hour and a half. Wow. So... Yeah. And we only had, you found out on Saturday, if you made it into the top 10 finals and you cooked in the final round on Tuesday and you had to submit like a full on written out recipe, um, down to the measurements of every ingredient you were using for your final dish. So I kind of threw it together very last minute because I did not know what I was actually getting myself into or how to prepare for something like this but I I knew how to grill I knew how to cook um and and I was comfortable with steak and beef so that didn't scare me at all it was more or less finding the right um flavors that would combine with the black garlic umami sauce that we had to use and creating side dishes that would complement it and not be like everybody else so I thought outside the box a little bit. Um, most people are going to go with potatoes when you think of filet mignon. And I decided to do aged cheddar grits. And I did raspberry chipotle Brussels sprouts. And then I used the black garlic umami sauce to make a mushroom creme reduction sauce that went on top of my filet mignon. And I topped it with white truffle, fresh shaved truffle. So... Yeah. Very different than what you would expect, but it ended up winning first place. So I was, I, that crowned me the world champion. Um, that was really overwhelming. That day was very overwhelming. I had Jeff as one of my sous chefs and you can have two sous chefs and I didn't have time to find anybody else. I had two people back out on me last minute. I mean, oh, another no. one of those little, everything was running against me. Um, But while I was there, my tribal fire grill sponsor, he's actually a chef. And so he, we started talking through recipes and I was like, can I have you on my team? And he was like, yeah, I'd love to cook with you. And we just jived. Like if you're a chef and you create recipes, you click with somebody who, who cooks the same way. So we just clicked and he knew what I was trying to do and what I was trying to create. And we met for the first time as a team, Jeff and I, and trip 30 minutes before we went into the final round. We did not have a practice cook. We didn't, um, you know, go shopping together or anything like that. We had only talked through like text messages and on the phone a couple times and then showed up and made it happen. So, I knew that it was anybody's game that day because I got to see all the presentations and what everybody made and they were absolutely phenomenal. Um, So I didn't know, you know, I had no clue who's, who was going to win the world championship. Um, But I ended up taking it and I was told afterwards that I was the first person to actually win first place in ribeye, first place in New York strip, have my points wiped out and then first place in filet mignon. And I'm the first person that's done that.
0: Wow. That's amazing work. Well done.
2: Thank you. Kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just to clarify a couple of things there that I might've misunderstood. So you, you won the 2021 SCA championship. Is that right for steak? And that got you the entry into the world food championships?
2: No. So you have to win a qualifying SCA event. So my event that I won um, first place against Jeff and all the other 78 people was a qualifying event. It wasn't the world championship.
0: Ah, so okay. that,
2: that got me a golden ticket to the SCA world championship and to the world food championship. I got two okay. golden tickets. Out yeah.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And who, who actually, like if, if you have to supply all those written recipes with all the measurements and everything, do you retain ownership of the recipes or do they go into like a world food championship cookbook type thing that people can buy later?
2: Um, I I have the rights to them but they do have my recipe and they can use them later so I think they are going to be posting those after we go to the final table so actually in two weeks the top 10 champions from all the different categories because I'm the steak world champion um, there's nine other category world champions. And so there's soup and dessert and, um, burger and all these other categories. There's 10 of us total. All of these chefs and champions are competing against each other in the final table in two weeks in Lake Murray, South Carolina. And we have a three rounds of elimination. So after the last person gets named like world food, head champion, like you're the head chef of everything. Um, After that gets announced, I think they are going to release all of our recipes and what, what we did.
0: Ah, fascinating. Okay. And so when they, when they put the 10 of you up head to head, do they come up with a new, like with an 11th category that none of you are the expert in and then you have to try and do that or or do they...
2: Yeah, so it's actually going to be local cuisine to Lake Murray, South Carolina. So our first challenge is actually going to be biscuits, peaches, and grits, and we have to compose a dish using the specific ingredients that they give us. They're from a specific um, supplier, and we all have to use them and create a dish. And then if you make it past that round, um, they're taking us out to do a professional catch-and-cook where we'll be... Um, assigned a professional angler that will help us catch a fish, and it's either going to be striped bass or catfish. And then we will go back, and we have to clean the fish, and fillet it, and everything, and cook it, and make a dish in an hour for wow. five judges. Yeah, and then if you make it past that round, um, you go on to you'll be in the top three, and the top three will compete to. Um, Create a menu item for McCutcheon House, which is a local, it's a local place there. And they want to feature a new menu item using quail. So we'll all be challenged to create a dish using quail.
0: Right. So I gather then that there's going to be a lot of catfish and quail happening at your house in the next two weeks.
2: And biscuits. I think if I don't see another biscuit for a long time, I'll be happy.
0: Yeah. And do you mix it all up from scratch for the biscuits when you're practicing, or do you just yeah. grab the uh, grab the log and slice a bit off?
2: No, we have to make everything from scratch. So any of our recipes and dishes have to be made from scratch.
0: Wow, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I I had no idea that it was quite that detailed. The uh the, yeah. the world food it's championship. A little intense. It's
2: more than just it's more than just meat in a box.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just take a walk up and grab your trophy and go home. It's like, well, then there's you the know. next thing, and then there's the next thing, and then there's yeah. wow. <laughs> it, uh, the the World Food Championships is actually coming to Melbourne and Sydney in the next couple of weeks too. They're going to be having a yeah, couple of rounds that's awesome. over here. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you're not you're not heading over here for that by any chance?
2: I wish that would be so much fun.
0: Yeah, well the the country is open again now, so that's good. You'd be able to get that in. That is good. Yeah. Yes.
2: I want to come next year to Meatstock. I think that would be awesome.
0: Oh, we just did Meatstock in Toowoomba about two weeks ago. It was so good. It was so I good.
2: Love, I was at the NBBQA event while you guys were doing meat stock. And I was like, dang.
0: I actually saw that. And I was going to ask about that because you were, um, you were, uh, had quite a, an important role in this year's NBBQA. Tell us a bit about what you're doing there. <laughs>
2: I was asked to be a keynote speaker. Um, and so when Kel asked me, I was like, oh, well, what do you want me to speak about? And I was thinking just 10 to 15 minutes of barbecue. But he goes, no, you have 45 minutes, and I want it to be motivational and inspirational about your journey in barbecue. So I had actually never fully sat down and written out my journey um, and everything that I had gone through to get to where I'm at today, um, because it included a lot of people don't know. They just see me as a barbecue pit master, but, um, I'm a personal trainer and nutrition coach, but that's, there's a whole story behind that because I went through my own 80 pound weight loss transformation that got me to that point because I had to overcome some medical obstacles. Um, I have a brain and spinal malformation as well as MS. So when I started to change my life, um, Jeff, that's when Jeff actually got us involved in barbecue to keep my mind off of everything that was going on, all the doctor's appointments and um, the transformation that I was trying to make happen at the same time. So it was kind of an outlet. Barbecue saved my life and became an outlet for me. And I grew in barbecue because I was so passionate about it and the people that came with it too that wanted to help me and see me succeed and it was just incredible so i had to actually sit down and write out from the beginning my journey and how i got to where i'm at today so having to do that was crazy i mean it took me a long time but um, I gave my speech and I've had a lot of positive feedback about it. I didn't know how well it would go because i I'd never had to do that. But I got a lot of positive feedback about that. And um, yeah, it was just basically my journey through my health transformation and grilling and barbecue. So and then as well, I got to be on the master's panel, which I was super excited for because i was basically the newbie i mean we had all these legends up there you know leanne Whippin and mo caisson and bob Trendek and um junior and mark lambert and you know then there's me (laughs) they've all been doing this for like 20 or more years and then i'm like hi i just started in 17 2017 so i'm the newbie (laughs)
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, wow. That's, a
2: lot
0: of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite a story there as well. And so you were, uh, you're on the masters panel, you did the, um, the keynote speaker. I, I saw like a load of photographs coming through of you doing all sorts of stuff throughout the whole, throughout the I whole event. Lots of
2: things. Yeah. So, um, I actually got to be a judge. They brought in seven high school barbecue teams from Texas. And it was their seven top-notch teams and they competed against three professional teams. So they had to do dessert, beans, chicken, half chicken, ribs, and brisket. And so I got to go and judge that. And I don't know. I don't know why my mind was close, but when I sat down, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be able to tell the difference between the professionals that have been doing this forever and the high school kids. But let me tell you, there you could not pick out who was a professional team and who was a high school team. I mean, I judged all the categories except chicken and I had no clue whose was whose. It was absolutely phenomenal. And to see them out there so dedicated in the parking lot with their little teams, manning their smokers and making all this food and just having so much fun was awesome because that's the future generation of barbecue. So I love that they have this going on now.
0: Yeah, it's a really good initiative. I actually met, um, the, their, their names escaped me, but I met them at the 2019 NBBQA conference. It was a gentleman and a lady and uh, they actually worked at the, at the high schools and they were telling me that, um, that the high school barbecue competition circuit is now more popular than the uh, high school football circuit. They're getting more people coming out yeah. to the barbecue competitions than are coming out to the football games which I think is going to yeah. upset quite a few, uh, quite a few people, but um, <laughs> it was interesting Why and it was fantastic to get it
2: in more states. I would love to see it in more areas. I mean, even other countries, you know, that would be awesome to get the youth involved.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Look, that's a good point for us to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. In our modern lives, there are some things we need more of more time, more money, more love from family and friends. Here at Smoking Occasions, we believe all that can be done through barbecue. If this sounds like you too, then you're going to want to keep the last weekend of July free because we are bringing you Barbicon. Barbicon is a 2-day virtual event with the sole purpose of helping you save time, save money, and become the envy of your family and friends. We're bringing the best barbecue pitmasters and business owners from around the country live into your living room. They're going to show you not only what they do, but how they do it. If you're a backyard barbecuer, we're going to shorten that learning curve, eliminate the ruined meals going into the bin, and cement you as a barbecue legend among your family and friends. And if you're a barbecue business owner, we're going to share all the shortcuts to success, the tips and tricks to trim your budget and maximize profits, and build a thriving business that will help you take care of all your loved ones. Pre-registrations are open now, so hit the link in the description, bang in your details, and you'll be the first to be notified as soon as the early bird tickets are available, any specials that we're running, when we announce presenters, freebies, and more. So I'll see you there.
1: Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation.
0: All righty, we're into the second segment of the show now. So I, I thought we'd sort of drill down a bit more into uh, into your barbecue team mood swing barbecue. However, before that, I did just want to uh, say congratulations on that um, 80 pound uh, weight loss journey. You're, you're the first Thank person you. that I've actually met and spoken to who've told me that you got into competition barbecue to get fit. For most of us, for most of us, it's the other way around. We um, <laughs>
2: I hear that a lot.
0: (laughs) No, that's great. That
2: was was pretty cool just because um, I found ways and that's why I became a nutrition coach as well as a personal trainer after I went through my transformation. Um, I found ways when I was going through my transformation, everybody hears about eating bland chicken, rice and broccoli, right? That's what you have to eat to lose weight. Um, Well, that's not the case, and I learned that from my trainer, so I found ways to make food flavorful on the grill or smoker by using different woods, by using different proteins, by switching up my seasonings, um, and taking out some of the fats and replacing them with broths, Um, switching out some of the salts with sumac because it provides the same flavors, Um, just learning and combining different foods and seasonings in my kitchen and then throwing it on the grill to get that kiss of smoke or on my smoker for a low and slow cook, depending on what I was making. I actually ended up having trainers from the gym, which they were Olympic bodybuilders. Um, they started ordering meat from us because I made it so flavorful without adding in all the extra stuff, you know, all you hear about barbecue being heavy and overwhelming and super sweet or sugary or whatever. I made it flavorful without having to do that because the meat can stand on its own. So, yeah.
0: Very nice. Yeah. And so do you take those recipes into the competitions then or do you subscribe to the somewhat strict (laughs) barbecue rules for hand-ins?
2: Every once in a while, I will play with flavors at a competition. I will get risky and Jeff goes, you're not going to win. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to test the limits today. (laughs) But most of the time I do have to conform in order to win. So.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. I still don't like (laughs) you. No, no, no. So you, you, you mentioned there um, before that you uh, do very well in SCA. And you've been doing some KCBS competitions as well. Do you have a particular yeah. preference for the low and slow or the, or the grilling?
2: So I we actually compete in MBN in Georgia barbecue association, which is all pork and then KCBS and the SCA. So we do a lot of variety. When we first started out in KCBS, we were hit. And I mean, we went on a winning streak with like ribs. We run like six times in a row, first place. And Wow. you know, you'd roll up and they're like, if you win today in Bribs, I'm not even coming to a competition with you again. Like <laughs> it got to that point. So we were doing really, really well in KCBS when, when we were running KCBS, you know, as much as we could, um, we moved to Tennessee for work, my husband's job. And that's when everything got shut down just a few months later. So That is when we sold our huge um, reverse flow smoker and we started building Goldilocks, our little custom offset smoker. I mean, she's really not that little, but she's smaller than the huge one. (laughs) So, um, but everything was shut down and KCBS was shut down. So we started on the SCA trail because it opened up faster than anything else. So do I love the SCA? Yes, because it is... Super easy. It's cheap. I mean, it's, you know, $150 and the meat's included and everybody's on the same playing field because the meat all came from the same place and it's cut the same thickness. Um, You set up your grill, you cook a steak, you're in and out in a day. So, and payouts really well. So, yeah, I do, I do truly love the SCA. I, but, you know, recently we have hit a couple of KCBS comps and I love them. Like, I love tending a fire. I love the low and slow cooks. I love having to deal with all four meats. Um, and just finding the perfect pieces that you have to put in a box. I do not like trimming chicken and I don't think I ever will <laughs> like trimming chicken, <laughs> but but I do love everything else about it because whoever came up with the fact that you need to take the chicken skin off and scrape the fat and shape it and mold it and create a pillow. That was just, that's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they they have a lot to answer for. I, yeah! Yeah. back when I was competing, I just flat out refused. I saw other people right. doing it and I went, and I went, no, I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous.
2: But that's probably it's why crazy. they always won and
0: I always didn't. So.
2: <laughs> I'll still do it, but I fight tooth and nail all the way through it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I've been trying yeah. to get.
2: To, oh, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, I've, I've been trying to get Mo Case on the show for a while now because, uh, he, he told me once that he doesn't uh, scrape the skin. He's come up with a different way of doing it where there's no scraping involved. But then I couldn't get that last little bit out of him. So I've been trying to get him on the show to find out how he does it so we can just put an end to this whole chicken skin scraping business.
2: Hey, I have a few friends that actually they'll buy a specific kind of chicken. They will take the skins off, but they'll just jacquard them and lightly prick them and they will just put it back on. So they're not scraping the fat off. I have not gotten that kind of chicken to try yet. So, but I do want to try it sometime.
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. Now, you, you just said that you love KCBS because you've got all the different uh, proteins to cook. But then you also mentioned that the GBA is, is all pork. Can you give us a bit of an idea of the GBA? Because we do have KCBS competitions here in Australia, but of course we don't have uh, GBA. Tell, yeah. tell us a bit about GBA.
2: So GBA is really fun because they do strictly pork. So you're competing in pork loin, pork butt or shoulder, and ribs. And that's it. And it's for me, it's super challenging. I don't like to eat pork. It actually you know affects my MS and my body and stuff, but I love to cook it, which is really funny. I love to cook it. I love to feed it to people. I love to play with flavors on it. Um, and also coming from Arizona, um, if you know anything about Arizona, it's spicy out there. People like spicy flavors. So we bring the heat coming over here to Georgia. They are known for sweet and peaches. And so for me, that was a challenge to like switch and learn was how to sweeten it up enough that they would love the flavors um i did end up learning how to do that and i went to myron mixon's hog drop i was invited to that invitational cook-off on new year's eve um, there were 10 of us teams competing and i took reserve grand so apparently they liked my sweetness um i will tell you that i use a lot a lot of sugar and honey and peach <laughs> and it would probably send you into a diabetic coma Coming from my nutritionist side, <laughs> but they loved it and it worked. So.
0: <laughs> and was was Myron was himself competing there?
2: No. So he actually hosts the event and he invites ten teams to come and compete that night. And he brings in judges and everything. And then he awards the the top teams. So I took first place in pork loin. Um, I took. Third place in butt, and then fifth place in ribs, and took reserve grand. So that was pretty good.
0: Very, very good. Yeah, Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, can I ask a? a, It's a bit of a a off-topic question, almost. You just mentioned that that pork affects MS. How does that affect MS?
2: So MS is an autoimmune disease. So it affects every single person that has it differently. Um, I have learned through nutrition that pork can actually cause inflammation. So there are certain foods that I have to stay away from because it will affect my nervous system. So pork is actually one of those. I had to eliminate it for a few few weeks and then slowly add it back in and see how it affected my body. And pork was one of those. Surprisingly, um, as I learned more about pork, it actually affects about 80% of people, but they don't even know it.
0: Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yep. What does it do for to to the people that don't have MS?
2: It, it just causes inflammation. So it'll cause inflammation what? in your joints. Yep. Or in or bloating in your stomach. Either one.
0: Oh, okay. So next time I yeah. uh, I, I have a sore stomach after eating pulled pork, I can blame it on the uh, on okay, the in yes. on the inflammation on the and pork. not on the not on the four pounds that I ate personally.
2: That's right. That's right.
0: Okay. That sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds good to me. Um, now, one of the things that I uh, was uh, stalking you online, I saw that you have a background in forensic science. Do you think that that has helped you in your approach to barbecue? Are you are you like super scientific in your observations and your notes and all that sort of stuff about how you do things?
2: Yes. Um, yeah. So I got a a bachelor's degree from college in biology, forensic science, and worked as a crime scene analyst, um, until my daughter got diagnosed with a major health issue and she could, it was actually like having a bubble baby. So she couldn't be in store. She couldn't be in daycare. She couldn't be out in public. So I had to quit my job and stay home with her. And then I would waitress on the weekends when my husband could be home with her. So, um, Yes, I do think that my forensics actually helped with my barbecue. I do get super scientific in cooking. I think that's why I like to play with different spices, different flavors. I love to learn about the seasonings and what to combine them with to create another flavor um, to make it a healthier option. But meat science as well. I want to learn about the different muscles and how they work and, you know, how like. Some are going to be more tender than others. Well, why? And, you know, that muscle is not used as much. It's, it just goes back to the same thing as our body. You know, our core is or our bottom is going to be less, like it's going to be fattier because we don't use it as much as like our arms or our quads or whatever. So you would, it's the same thing as an animal. You know, it's, it goes down to the science, which ones are used more.
0: Oh, interesting. Now, do you ever go to somebody else's site at a barbecue competition and then just freak them out and stand there and be like, okay, I can see from the barbecue sauce splash that you stood over there and you held it, you held the bottle at approximately this height on this angle and you sprayed it with, with this much force. Do you ever, <laughs> do you ever go in there and just like CSI their, their barbecue tents?
2: No, but that, I'm going to start doing that. Awesome. <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs>
0: It would be, it would be. Well, you've, you, you've got a partnership with, um, with Bama TV. So you could, uh, yes. you could, you could almost set that up with them, like as a candid camera type thing.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Now, um, just, j- just, before we do move on, you are getting into barbecue cl- classes with, uh, Richard Fergola from Fergalicious Barbecue. Tell us how that came about.
2: Um, we actually met back in, at a KCBS competition last fall. And so we had just chatted and stuff. And he goes, I really want to do a class with you. And so we actually scheduled it. Um, I was going to teach steak because I was hitting so heavy in steak at that point, And he wanted to teach brisket. And so we planned our class. And the funny thing was, we planned our class. And the next week, I won my world championship in steak. And the following week, he won his world championship in brisket. So nice. it kind of just, it worked out so cool. So yeah, that was, that's kind of unique. It was fun.
0: Yeah, super good. And so obviously you're, you're going to be teaching about, um, about steak and, uh, and about um, brisket. How, how's the class going to sort of flow? Are you going to be sort of breaking down? uh, what rubs to choose and how to match flavors and all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. So I get a little more specific on my steak, like what you're looking for in the best quality of steak. And again, back to the scientific thing, the different muscles, (laughs) um, and why, because people don't realize that there are different muscles in steaks. So, you know, some, some cuts of steak are going to be more tender than others. Even, even if you have two ribeyes, one's going to be more tender than the other, and it's due to what's in it. So I break it down that way as to how to choose the best ribeye and then um, going into how to treat it, you know, whether you need to marinate it or salt brine it or just jacquard it, and then to optimize the tenderness, what flavors go best on top of it to create a balanced flavor profile, and then the best way to cook it.
0: Oh, so good. And then much the same yeah. with the, with the brisket as well.
2: Yes. Yep.
0: That sounds like it's going to be a great class. I really wish I could get there. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit jealous that I'm not going to be able to get there. Yeah.
2: Maybe, but, maybe we'll just have to come over there for Galicious and I, and we'll teach a class over there.
0: It would make <laughs> a great meat stock stage demo, wouldn't it?
2: That would be fun.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, look, I'm going to uh, write that down in my in my notes here, but we'll be back in just a moment after another short break. All righty, folks, as you're aware in the Southern Hemisphere here, winter is coming. We just had a chat with, uh, with Sunny at the top of the episode. She's moving into summer. We're moving into winter. So we're moving into winter now. We've got some beautiful merch to keep you warm during the cold months. We've got our Hail Mary hoodies. I've actually got one on right now because, as I said, it's less than 20 degrees here on the Gold Coast now, so we're all soaking. And uh, it's keeping me nice and toasty warm here in the Smoking Hot uh, Confessions studio. We've also got t-shirts if you're from the far, far north. And uh, it's time to pack away your summer singlets and bring out your winter t-shirts. And we've also got our beanies as well. Oh, and our tumblers. Keep your hot drinks hot as well. So head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com shop. Check that out. They feature our award-winning Hail Mary design, picked up best barbecue apparel at MBBQA 2020. So head on over, check that out, smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop. Any purchase helps us run the show and continue the show, so we really would appreciate that as well. So smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop. Check it out. You're
1: listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott.
0: Okay, Sonny, this is the third segment of the show now, and this is where um, you get to give a bit of a dedicated lesson or a little bit of an explanation of something to our listeners and our viewers. So I'm going to just sit back. I've got my pen and paper here to take some notes, and I'm going to throw it <laughs> over to you, and you're going you're to teach us something.
2: I'm going to teach you something. All right. You want to learn about brisket, or do you want to learn about chicken wings?
0: <laughs> Ooh.
2: Take steak for a class. <laughs> dealer's choice (laughs) um let's go with chicken wings because sometimes um people are always searching for that perfectly crispy skin but it's hard to nail unless you know how to nail it now there are two different ways that i have won first place in chicken wings multiple times and i have actually used two different ways to cook them um if you just smoke your wings you love the flavor because you're getting that smokiness but if you're gonna smoke them the entire time sometimes that skin won't render down and you get that you know it's kind of rubbery you don't want that flavor in your mouth or the skins rubbery so you can actually I like to um, soak mine in a chicken soak overnight And then I'll remove them and I'll pat them dry and I will sprinkle either rice flour or baking powder over the top of them, just lightly over all the chicken wings on both sides. And then I will season them. Then I'll throw them on the smoker for a while and then um, I will actually take them out once they've received enough smoke and I will flash fry them. And the reason being is flash frying them is going to crisp up that skin just like you want it, but it's still going to be bite through. So I won't pull my chicken wings off the smoker until they hit about 180. Now that sounds funny because they should be done at 180. But with chicken wings, you can actually take them higher and they the tendons and the cartilage and everything that's in the chicken wing is going to break down further. So you're actually making it more tender inside and more moist. So I'll pull them off around like 180, 185, and I'll flash fry them in a fryer. And then I'll pull them out when they're in between 195 and like 203, almost like a brisket. I mean, that sounds funny, but it's really true. They will render down, the skin will crisp up. And then you can either sauce them or hit them with, you know, a dust or more seasoning if you want dry wings. But that's one way. And you get that smoky flavor. The second way that I love to do wings is, again, on the tribal fire grill. Um, But there are other grills that will do this. So I will soak my wings in, you know, a solution like a chicken solution overnight. Again, I'll do the rice flour or the baking powder. And it's the chemicals in those, again, that's a little scientific, but it's the chemicals in those, um, that work the best to draw out the moisture of the skin on the chicken. So rice flour or baking powder. And I'm not drenching them in it. I'm not like gonna, you know, try to fry my wings in it or anything. I'm just lightly like sprinkling it on each side of the wing. Um, and on my tribal fire grill, I will have you can do it on a Weber kettle. You can easily do it on a Weber kettle because you are creating a vortex. You'll get the little vortex. You can buy a vortex or you can create your own with a half pan. You'll just cut a little circle in the center of it and pull the sides up and you're going to put all your charcoal so that it is vortexing up through the center of your grill. And that is exactly how my tribal fire grill works anyways. And I'm going to place all of my chicken wings around the outer edge None in the center over the direct heat, but they're out around the edge on the Weber kettle or the tribal fire grill. And then I place the the lid or on the tribal fire grill. It's a big hood that comes down and it's creating a convection oven. So the air is going all the way down around the chicken wings and crisping them up. And again, I will not pull them until they're in between 195 or 203 but I will flip them over about halfway through the cook. So typically I'll check them at about 20, 25 minutes and I'll flip them over. And then, and if I need to rearrange some, because sometimes the ones in the center will get a little more crispy. I'll move those to the back row and I'll pour, I'll pull the other ones forward more towards the center of the heat, but nothing goes directly over the heat source. So, from the charcoal, you're still going to get a little bit of that smoky flavor, and you're creating that convection heat, which is going to crisp up the skin. And you're taking it up to the close to the 200 mark to render down everything that's inside. Mm. So, there's some wings. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Thank
0: you. Um, Just one question, really. When you're talking about a a chicken soak, is that just like a standard chicken brine that you would use for... Brining chicken thighs, or have you tried? Yes, um, and
2: I will throw all of the chicken wings in just a Ziploc bag with the chicken soak overnight. Yep.
0: Okay. Cool, cool. And have you tried um, buttermilk? I know a lot of people like to use buttermilk with their chicken.
2: You can use buttermilk. You could actually use pickle juice too. Um, All of those work well. Yeah. So, any of those. I mean, you could try any of those. Pickle juice is going to give it a different flavor. I personally like the flavor um but yeah buttermilk's going to be a safe bet and it's just adding extra moisture pickle juice is a brine it's the citric acid and everything in it that will help add moisture but it does add a unique flavor I love it but then you can add your seasonings on top of it too
0: yeah mm. do you find that the that the acidity in the in the pickle juice does it sort of uh denature the protein a bit and sort of tenderize it that way no. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right. We'll look I'll at do it with
2: chicken breasts too all the time. Um, that's one way that I retain moisture because a lot of people complain about dry chicken breasts. So I will actually use pickle juice. I'll take like a huge jar of pickles and my girls will eat all the pickles. And then I'll put my chicken breasts down in their jar and let them soak before I do anything. And they turn out moist every single time.
0: Beautiful. I'm going to give that a crack if I can stop my wife from drinking the pickle juice out of the jar.
2: Right. She loves it. She loves <laughs> put it. raw chicken in it and she won't drink it.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do not drink.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look, that's probably a good point for us to start uh, to start to close out this episode. So I'll get you to give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout outs to people that have helped you out along the way and tell everybody where they can follow you on the internet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So. There's quite a few people that I have to thank. First of all, my barbecue family, because I wouldn't be where I'm at today without them, including Smitty, Sterling from Luton Booty. Um, I have quite a few people. I mean, a lot of people along the way. And um, Cosmo, he's one of my sponsors and a great mentor for me. So I'm able to use all of his clean eating rubs for developing recipes for my clients, for my fitness clients. And I can use all of his sauces and rubs for competition or in the backyard. So that's an added bonus. Um, I love his products. And then tribal fire grill has been a great sponsor. I love any kind of live fire cooking machine. So it's not just your typical, you know, Weber kettle, which are still great, but it's so much more versatile. So that's been super fun um Victorinox knives they're they were actually my very first sponsor they found me and I was using them at my steak comp where I took first place and they asked me what I was using and I had no clue who they were and I was like oh I love this knife and I've always used these knives and <laughs> so he wanted to sponsor me um and then Matt Overson from Wicked Pig he has been great I I use his marinade to actually win my SCA competitions but I used it in my GBA to take reserve grand on pork too. So it's not just for beef. So that's been super fun. And Bamakee of course, been great to partner with and have fun with and create some content. So right now I am teaching some classes. I have more that are going to be released soon. The Fergalicious one is coming up next week. It's on the 23rd. Um, I have one with Bob and Mo, Mo Kesan. We're going to do a five meat class. We're actually going to do chicken, brisket, ribs, pork, and steak. And it's going to be like, it's either six or eight hours long. I don't remember. It's all day long and we're going over everything plus drinks. And it's just, we're going to have a blast and have fun. And that's here in Nashville. And I do have a website that is, in the works right now where people will be able to follow me. I'm going to, um, because I'm a recipe developer and I create recipes for some companies right now, BB charcoal is one of my other sponsors and I create some recipes for them. And so, um, I will open up my rest my website that is going to have backyard recipes. It's going to follow our family competition team, which is mood swing barbecue. And it will have some competition recipes as well, but, um, I will also have a spot for grilled fit and that's going to be all of my clean eating and healthy grilling recipes because I get asked about those all the time. So it'll just be easier for people to go and find them. And we'll have some merchandise, some shirts, some hats, some teas, you know, and then um, an events page where people can find us at events that we're going to be at whether it's a competition or teaching a class if it's a competition class or a backyard pitmaster class and yeah so we have a lot going on i am on facebook under sunny moody um and mood swing barbecue i'm not as good as posting on mood swing but I post all the time on Sunny Moody, <laughs> and same thing on Instagram. Sunny Moody, Grill Fit, and then Mood Swing as well. And then I'm also on TikTok, and I need to get back on TikTok. And yeah. hopefully in the fall, we are going to have a YouTube channel starting. So, yeah,
0: excellent, excellent. Well, that's a that's a lot of different ways for people to get in contact with you. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I realize that you're really busy, so I I, I do appreciate it. And uh, all the best with everything that you've got coming up in the future.
2: Thank you
0: so much. All right, family, there you have it. That was the one and only Sunny Moody. What an amazing lady and really blazing the path there in the the barbecue scene over in the United States. And uh, she's a role model to a lot of people out there as well. So phenomenal, phenomenal story there. Tearing it up through the SCA. uh, Personal invitations to go into a private competition at the Myron Mixon Compound. I mean, you know, that's... That's bucket list type uh, content for, for everybody I know in the barbecue scene. So that's really good stuff and really fascinating story. Now that is a wrap for today. So remember, Barbicon is coming. It's a, the online two-day virtual conference that we're going to be beaming into your lounge rooms. You've got all the best t-shirts, hoodies, beanies and whatnot over on SmokingHotConfessions.com slash shop. But that is it for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions Podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.